Hello, we are here, we are live, and we are Fox Force 5. Hi, Nicola Murphy. <laughs> Hello, Kelly. How are you, sister? Uh, feeling a bit more energized than I think the last time we did this. I podcast. don't know what was the issue the two of us last week. Like, Bravo, life oh. is so hard. Oh, climate change. Oh, the world is dying. Oh. <laughs> brain dead. A bit brain dead, right? Like, even, even after that, I was like, don't really know what I said, but sure, I'll just get out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it was just one of those weeks. I think the whole uh, clocks changing thing was still affecting us. Totally, and, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brain but um, yeah, doing better this week now, although up the flipping walls. But um, yeah, doing much better altogether. Um, I must mention something actually right now because I will forget otherwise. We were talking about like things to save the world last weekend and I mentioned the this egg thing you can use for... Oh, yeah. Washing machines. And actually, a friend of mine, Fiona, got in touch to say her sister sells all these lovely sort of um, sustainable products. And she's got a website called Ode to Earth, which I actually knew about. And she sells this egg thing on that. And so I I looked it up and basically it's a little egg and it doesn't contain any chemicals, just natural minerals. Um, And what you do is you pop the egg into your washing machine. You don't use detergent or fabric conditioner or anything. And... It produces ionized oxygen that activates the water molecules and helps them clean the clothes. Wow. So it's eleven euros fifty and it lasts for sixty washes. So there That's you go. Bizarre, isn't it? And it's got some fantastic reviews on there. So check it out, guys. Ode to Earth IE. There you go. Um so yeah, sorry. So that was it. So what God, what even happened at the weekend? What even happened at the weekend? I didn't drink any alcohol. That was pretty well good. Done. Mm-hmm. I said no, November. It was the first weekend in long time you had no plans, was it? Is that why? Do you know what? I had a few Heineken zeros and they just took the edge off, like, you know, just grand. Yeah. So that was good. And we, yeah, we were just kind of doing family stuff and catching up on bits and bobs. You know, what about you? Anything exciting, Mon? No, I've been working an awful lot lately. So um, I've done nothing exciting. I feel a bit trapped at home <laughs> for some oh reason God. that's mm. my uh, mentality at the moment and because I feel like when I leave the house other than like going for a walk I just end up spending money so I'm oh. just like slightly hibernating now whereas I'm just going to stay at home <laughs> just get out for exercise and try to stay at home as much as possible but this um this week is my first week- weekend off in a long time so I'm looking forward to escaping again though because it does get a bit claustrophobic like but... it's definitely um that time of year when you have to stop yourself spending money on stuff like I mean just oogling the gorgeous Christmas fashion party fashion and whatnot I online know, and yeah. you're like I'd buy that and that and that and that and then you're like yeah I'd probably go out once and I'd have five dresses for one night out you know <laughs> I know I've bought about three different velvety looking outfits and like you cannot wear them after December not really you know? they're very like festive. maybe January but like they're very festive altogether so yeah and I've actually bought one for a wedding and two velvety dresses too <laughs> like where am I going to wear them to but sure Christmas mm. Eve is one and maybe Christmas Day <laughs> yeah I got I got a couple of dresses as well and one of them was that kind of sparkly and velvet and I was like trying it on I was like no so that's going back so I'll allow myself one all right because I'll get, it's the, the joy of the double wear between Scotland and Ireland. You get away with wearing it uh, twice over the space of a few days. Um, so, yeah, so I must do that. Like, But I must also do all the actual Christmas shopping, which 
I know everybody's messaging and it's like, oh, at least you have your Christmas. There seems to be like a panic this year because of, you know, all the news outlets saying that there's going to be loads of issues at stock and all that. So the amount of messages I've had from people being like panicked about, oh my God, it's the Christmas shopping. <laughs> well, roll on the uh, yeah. big discounts because at the weekend yeah, there... We got 50% off Sweaty Betty and the place went absolutely bananas. I ordered four pairs of leggings. And I actually sent them to some of my buddies and they used it as well. So thank you for that. They were delighted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was rampant, rampant. So we'll see now. I, I, my order has been dispatched, so we'll see what arrives. But um, oh, a couple of them will be going back. I just ordered different sizes and stuff. But um, it's great because they're like 70 or 80 quid normally. Yeah. Um, those leggings. Yeah, so half price is reasonable. <laughs> yeah, you know, Brown so. Thomas now, you know, there's a whole section in Brown Thomas in Cork. Well, I actually, would you believe I got a voucher for my birthday and it was for 60 quid, right? And so it was a 50 pound voucher and a 10 pound voucher. And the 10 pound voucher worked online, but the 50 pound voucher wouldn't. And I Googled oh, it and everyone weird. was like, Sweaty Betty, why won't the larger denomination vouchers work online? So they've obviously got a thing where... They pretend so you can use them, but you can't. So, yeah, um, yeah but there's actually a sweaty belly shop in Edinburgh, so I'll be able to use it up there at some point anyway. So there you go. So, yeah, roll on them. Like, that's a massive discount, 50%. Like, we could do a bit more of that. Uh, 50% is like, I'd love an old Dyson 50% off. <laughs> I know. Listen, I'm still, the joy I still have from my new Dyson, <laughs> I'm telling you. It's great. It was a great investment. I'm very happy with it. So there you go. So we'll get started anyway, Nick, I suppose. We'll bash on one. Yeah. Number one. One. So, speaking of buying things, uh, <laughs> this... We're such a contradiction. Last week we were like, fast fashion and climate change. And blah, blah, blah. And we're like, I love a discount. And I bought lots of machine dresses. And so where do you get it? This is like, oh, well, yeah. actually, this is a tale of, uh, a tale of misery, a tale of regret. <laughs> Because it's about people spending money during the pandemic and regretting it. So oh. one in 10 people have expressed their regret over buying items ranging from hot tubs to DIY tools during the pandemic. A survey oh, yes. has found out. Uh, COVID lockdowns led to a surge in sales of some items that people could enjoy at home or in the garden or to keep up their fitness. Now buyer's remorse has kicked in for some who admittedly, who admit, sorry, who admitted typically spending Nearly £1,400 on these items. Insurer Viva said many expensive items were now gathering dust. Home entertainment, gaming equipment, DIY tools, home gyms, bikes, clothing and jewellery, musical instruments, kitchen appliances such as bread makers, garden furniture, pizza ovens and hot tubs all appeared on the regret list, the insurer said. Its survey of 4,000 people found some had sold or given away the items they regretted buying. Uh... We didn't buy anything. I don't think we bought no, anything. But some people spent a lot of money doing up their gardens and putting in little bars and whatever it may be like. And yeah. but sure, the thing is, you like, bought a you bought a, a gas heater. Listen, don't mention the war with the bloody <laughs> gas heater that never got turned on the entire length of summer. Now I'm uh-huh. not. I'm just don't say it wasn't me that was responsible for not turning <laughs> on the heater. But, uh, yeah, I do kind of regret... Well, I don't regret it because it's perfect. You put a cover on it. Like, that'll yeah. last for years. Your mom has had hers 20 years. Mm-hmm. But, no, I was thinking about it there. I did buy a couple of things during the pandemic, but, like, that were good purchases, you know. Like, mm-hmm. my favourite purchase of the pandemic was my AirPods. I used them so much. I loved them so much. I love, like them. My I love my AirPods, too, but I got them as a gift. I didn't actually buy them. I bought... That was... Well, yeah. we got the Mac. That was think. probably a big... That was a big pandemic yeah. purchase. But I would. I need a new laptop anyway, 
Would I have got a Mac? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, some used money which would have normally been spent on holidays or social events while others had intended to use the lockdown to start new hobbies. The most popular purchases were clothes and shoes, a choice for more than half the population. One in 20 adults say they bought a hot tub during the pandemic. Um, Aviva's research suggests many of those items are gathering dust with 9% of buyers saying they no longer use their pandemic purchases. 11 saying they used, sorry, 11% saying they used the items less than expected and 8% admitting they didn't use them at all. Other items have found new homes with 8% of people selling or giving away their items. When asked why they made these purchases, explanations included spending more time at home, cheering themselves up and simply relieving boredom. That was 20% of people. <laughs> well, I'd say that was definitely the, a lot of the DIY things was definitely boredom. You know, yeah. people were just like, oh, I could. But that was the very start of the pandemic where people weren't really working. You know, if yeah. you think of the second and third lockdown, like people were kind of working. You know, it was the first one really yeah. that people were kind of just sat at home, bored. Mm-hmm. So that's gas so already that there has been such a, you know, that they can already see their, their mm-hmm. ways and we're not even bloody past the thing. <laughs> so almost a fifth of purchasers point to having more disposable income after losing out on holidays and social events, while one in eight say they needed equipment for a new hobby. <laughs> um, blah, 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 blah. Oh, the one the- concerning thing I would say with this though, like, you know, I don't know, is it maybe me and maybe I have a problem financially that I don't save for big things or something? Because, like, I like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, don't, I think my bank balance probably looked a bit healthier, but not, like, a lot healthier. I feel yeah. like we replaced other things with, like, buying nice bottles of wine and, you know, stuff like mm. that, like, and buying more kind of expensive food or mm. buying more takeaways. And, like, yeah. I didn't feel like I had a lot of money coming out of the pandemic. We know. we certainly were better off, but I think that's because we weren't flying and going on holidays and over and back to Scotland and all that stuff. So that actually materialised into quite a bit of money at the end of the day, which thankfully we had because we ended up doing a bit of work on the house here and we came back and stuff. So that was good. But um, just to finish this bit off, amongst those who say they regretted items bought during the pandemic, gaming equipment was the most common culprit for buyer's remorse with almost half of purchasers, 45% regretting games and consoles. Lads, listen. Um, And then clothes and tools tied for a second at 43% with gym equipment close behind at 39%. Home gym equipment is also the item which is most likely to no longer be used at 49% of purchases made during the COVID outbreak. Oh, isn't that bad? It's bad. Like, there's other stuff on the list as well. Like, the jacuzzis are way further down <laughs> in the garden. Yeah, furniture. well, we got a spin bike, right? But it was second hand. And, uh, like, I used it a lot. We got it in November, like this time last year. And I used it a lot in November. And I used it a lot in kind of January, early February. Then I probably didn't use it for like two months. And then I used it again for about two months. And I'm off it again now. But uh, we just, we, we actually gave it to somebody else for a few weeks there. And we just got it back. So I promised to, like, Hop back on the spin bike now for Get another few years. But at least it was second hand. So, you know, I don't feel too guilty about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, good, that's a good idea, buying stuff second hand. Like if you can if you can get it and you're happy to do that. I think it's a great idea. So there you go. Buyer beware when you're feeling emotionally unstable. <laughs> don't go shopping. And also my other tip, don't shop drunk. There you go. Oh, stop. I oh, do you know. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good observation. <laughs> I have so that. We went to dinner. That's... We went to dinner on Friday, 
And I, I had one drink, but I swear to God, I was half gypsy after a vintage lifestyle sports. And I ended up buying <laughs> myself a hat. And I ended up buying Lily a hat. And I ended up buying Jar t shirt. I was like, everybody gets something. <laughs> we walked out of the shop and I was like, oh God, I just uh, dropped a lot of money there in a very quick succession. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling that confidence of the alcohol streaming through your veins. Oh God, it was definitely that one drink I regret it. It cost me more than the one drink. But anyway, moving on. It's <laughs> because <laughs> you always see stuff online and people be like, oh my God, did I book tickets to go to Tahiti when I was <laughs> drunk last night? <laughs> it's quite funny. Uh, so there you go. Right, moving along. Number two. Two. Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Tony's one out there for a minute. I was still laughing at myself. Oh, Would you God. want me to do two as well? Uh, no, it's okay. So this week, well, firstly, I would like to say, because I, I, uh, I hit a very big accomplishment myself this week, you know, and I would like to share my accomplishment with everyone who's going to be like, what the hell is she on about? Please do. But this is my third attempt at finishing The Sopranos. So oh, I, I feel like I feel like I don't want I'm to not talk, about, talk about I'm not going to talk about the ending. Don't worry. About no, it, but it but just makes me sad that I still haven't watched the end. But what is it? Wait, it's the same Breaking Bad. I never finished that either, which is terrible. I need to go back and watch well, I I it. It's brilliant. Bad, I must go back and watch it. But these kind of epic seasons sometimes, I don't know why. But maybe you don't want to yeah. finish them. Do you know? Yeah, maybe. Maybe there's something in that. Yeah, but... About five years ago, I watched it for the first time because I was in school when it was out. I was in secondary school when it was out first. And I was finishing secondary school when it finished, I'd say, around then I went to college. Um, but so we obviously didn't watch it at the time. But I, so about five years ago, got as far as season four, I'd say, kind of gave it up because it's so violent, you know, as well, though. And it is quite like aggressive and everything. No, there is great comedy in it as well. But I just think binging it was nearly bad for me kind of thing. So <laughs> gave it up. Last year then, the pandemic, we watched, we started again, got as far as early season five, I'd say, gave it up again. And like not on purpose, give it up. We just start watching something else and kind of forget to go back to it. And then anyway, about a month ago, we watched that movie, The Sopranos kind of prequel. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go back and finish it. And we just watched season five and six because I remembered I'd seen the others twice. And yes, finished it on Sunday night and I was very happy with myself. A great accomplishment. So yes, Kelly, you're going to have to watch the last season. It is very good. Now, I thought like nearly halfway through season six was better than the last few episodes, but sure, it's kind of each their own, but it is excellent. I did really, really enjoy it. So that was my accomplishment. I wanted to share with everyone. If you haven't watched The Sopranos, I would highly recommend it. Some seasons well, are short. Some are only 12 or 13 episodes, yeah. you know, so it's not that big like. Well, your Sopranos Watcher badge is in the post, Nicola. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. But uh, in terms of new telly, I did start watching something new last night. So again, my obsession with true crime comes true. But there is a new season on Netflix called uh, Catching Killers. Mm. So I thought it was very good because it's from kind of the police perspective and catching some of these like serial killers that we might have heard of. There's only four episodes, but the first I watched the first two they're all different stories that part three and four are the same serial killer all right but part one and two are different serial killers and um it's really interesting because it's like from the police's perspective in terms of like the pressure that was on them what they could do who they thought it was 
what they did to try to find out who it was, all that. And it's not that graphic. You know, sometimes those true crime things can be really graphic. They'll show you like a lot of pictures of bodies and stuff like that. And it can be a bit harrowing. Yeah. Now, don't get wrong. It was still harrowing, like listening to all these poor women that were murdered and men that were murdered. But it was very interesting to see. It Is it British or American or what? American. So the first one was about the Green River killer. So he was a uh, serial killer in Seattle that killed like, 20-something women and they actually find out he's killed like 56 women more nearly 60 women but it was all about how they caught him now it took them a really long time to catch him it was DNA fine like they had him they arrested him and they just couldn't get it to stick they had the guy in custody like and between that time and when they caught him he killed another 20 or 30 women like it was just grisly but it was really interesting to see the cops' perspective and because of the pressure on them, you know, because there was a serial killer and because they didn't read leads and all that, like, you know, they were breaking up talking about it. And it was really, oh, it was kind of tough. It was so tough for them. You Can you imagine the pressure on you? Like, not only are people losing their lives, but you've the entire country pretty much down your neck about, like, the money that's being spent and they can't find who the person is and blah, blah, blah. So, but then, of course, there's the relief when they finally caught him, you know, and it was DNA that they were, they had a DNA sample from the guy from the 80s. And literally it was like 2004 or 2005, 20 years nearly that it took them to actually pin it on him. Well, not pin, pin you know, to prove it was him, I suppose. But it's really good. And it's only, they're only short, only like 40 episodes each. The first one was about him. The second one was about Eileen Warners, you know, the, the first female serial killer. Um, and she was a right doozy altogether. And it kind of shows like the undercover cops that found out it was her. And then they're in a bar with her and like kind of try to chat her up a bit to kind of see, will she like open up a bit? And she kind of loses it in your man and like smacks him across the back with a snooker cue and all this. It's a crazy story. So yeah, it's mad. So it's kind of crazy to see what the cops can do in those sort of situations. So yeah, so that's, it was very interesting. There's part three and four about the, Happy Face Killer, I think. Um, I haven't watched them yet, but it looks good. I'm definitely going to go back and watch them because it's kind of, like I said, a different perspective on things. Less grisly. It's not like they're giving the limelight to the serial killers. You know what I mean? It's more about the cops, which is good because I think a lot of times Netflix lately has like nearly glorifying serial killers with a lot of the stuff that's been on. You know, a lot of these documentaries are kind of from the killer's perspective where you hear a lot about the killer, his videotapes or voice tapes or whatever. And it's a bit like, ugh, you know, it's gross, like giving them kind of the spotlight. Mm -hmm. This is more about the cops and the victims. So yeah, it's just called Catching Killers. Catching yeah. Uh, two good. things you reminds me of there when you were talking was, you know, they were talking about the cops being sort of eaten up by the case or whatever. Um, yeah. That little girl being found in Australia. Oh my Australia. God, amazing. Wasn't oh, it amazing? Like, amazing. God, when I heard that story first, when they said she'd got missing, I, I was know. just like, oh my God, it, it just makes you sick. But then, you know, what's funny about it is, and I've read quite a few articles about They're it. They're not talking about the guy at all. Well, they're not. Well, no, I read an article actually yesterday, was it, about how the guy is Aboriginal and that there's been a lot of local tensions, like um, racial tensions, and that they've been sort of bringing people in to try and calm the community and stuff like this. Oh, God. Um, So there's a lot of stuff going on. But my question was, like, okay, they found her fantastic. It's brilliant. She's alive. Like, I they said safe and sound in inverted yeah, commas. Yeah, she yeah. seems safe and sound and all this. And and then apparently this guy has all these brats dolls. He's like loads Ooh. of brats dolls up around the house and stuff. And, and then 
there was talk that it was just a sort of crime of opportunity that he wasn't like he didn't hunt her down. He just saw a kid on its yeah, own yeah. and took her. You know, oh, um, the in, they're definitely insinuating nothing happened to her, but nowhere has yeah. it said that. You know, which is mm. weird because I was like, okay, it's great to celebrate that she's alive and well, but like, what's happened to her in the interim? Know. You know, am I weird for thinking that? I don't know. No, no, but I think. Well, like even the videos and everything of her, she seems very happy. Little things mm. still, so hopefully nothing bad was done oh, to her. Oh, you know please I mean? God! She's but too um, small to know. Maybe they were know? talking about the cops being the relief that they'd found her because that's oh, it is yeah. a miracle after so long, really, isn't it? Mm. And the other thing you were talking about there, the DNA find. Mm. Um, so in England this week, a guy was arrested for murdering two girls like twenty years ago, and mm. it's basically. I don't know how they got his DNA. Or maybe... I can't remember what he was arrested for. And anyway, they found all these hard drives at his house. And he's a porter in a hospital. And he's (gasps) been uh, interfering with dead bodies. Oh my God. For like 20 or 30 years. And they literally knew nothing about it, only that he had all these hard drives hidden in his house like sedative to the back of lockers and stuff God Um, and I don't know I don't know I I feel like he was arrested for something else and then because they had his DNA for these two murders they were able to say that it was him that did the murders and then they found all this evidence of this uh, necrophilia etc oh genie man so absolutely horrifying like literally hundreds apparently hundreds of bodies and now there's like all these people's families who've been in that morgue are trying to find out oh what went down oh my god isn't Ugh. that messed up isn't that so, so messed, messed up, up. Oh, but anyway yuck this be going back to corner <laughs> <laughs> going back to TV um we have started watching two new dramas me and my mammy dramas uh Sunday night there's one on called Show Trial and the main character in it is the most dislikable, if that's a word, unlikable um, person you'd ever meet. She's this really privileged young girl who gives respect to no one and she's just a total brat. And she's like the potential um, suspect in a murder case. Um, but it's kind of interesting. And the cops are kind of unlikable as well. Like the character's kind of well written in it. Um, and... The other thing is this new one called Dog Leash, which I'm not sure about. Uh, it's on, it's on ITV and it's set in the 70s and it's a detective who's actually like a poet as well, which is really random, um, investigating <laughs> a, a series of murders. And yeah, he's a bit deeper, you know, than most <laughs> um, of the old bill. But um, the first episode is all about a nurse or nurses getting murdered, a series of mur- nurses getting murdered in the same, in the same house, like, and anyways, we're on a cliffhanger. I don't know what happens with it, but it's just kind of piqued my interest. At the start, I was a bit like, ugh, you know, some of these kind of almost like death in paradise type yeah, yeah. jolly criminal things, but it's not quite like mm. that. It's more dramatic. It's more dark than that. But um, yeah, so, and I love all the 70s stuff in it. It's so cool. All the, the clothes and the hair and all that jazz. So um, there you go. Nothing much. We're still persevering with Squid Game. And oh, you haven't finished it yet. Oh, Jesus. We only do about one a week. Like, we're terrible for that. We're like old-fashioned viewers. We like a watch. Like, Sopranos will take us about three years now again because you do one a week, you know, <laughs> uh, if we start it. So, yeah. So there you go. That's uh, the telly.
Number three. Three. So our Fox of the Week this week is a male. Would you believe? Uh, who? What other males have we had? Miggledy and... Miggledy. That was it, I think. Well, we had one other. Not David Attenborough, no. Who did we have? We had another male. Can't remember who it was. Anyway. Uh, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> uh, he's red hair. <laughs> it's Marcus Rashford, the footballer. Oh, so, oh, yeah, he was born on the 31st of October, 1997. He's a wee barber. It's so scary, like, when you hear about these people. And it's He's like probably one of our 90s. youngest. He's probably our youngest fox yeah. um, in Manchester. And he was raised by his mother, Mel Rashford. And he grew up with three brothers and a sister. When he was five, he joined the Fletcher Moss Rangers, a junior football club, and became the centre of attention because of his his talent. During his stint with the Fletcher Moss Rangers, Marcus was noticed by a talent scout at the age of seven. He was enrolled into the Manchester United Football Academy. Uh, Getting enrolled at the academy was a turning point in his already flourishing career. And in 2015, he was included for the first time in the first team bench for a Premier League match against Watford, which they won. He scored on his England debut in May 2016, becoming the youngest English player to score in his first senior international match. He played at the UEFA Euro 2016 as the tournament's youngest player and also represented England at both the 2018 FIFA World Cup and the Euros in 2020, which were actually in 2021. Um, He's a campaigner against racism, homelessness and child hunger in the UK. He has been praised for using his platform to be a political activist and philanthropist to drive societal change. For his efforts, he has received widespread praise and has been recognised for by organisations both in and outside of sport. In 2019, he set up the In the Box campaign with Selfridges to give homeless people essential items over the Christmas period. In March 2020, during the lockdown, he teamed up with the poverty and food waste charity Fair Share to deliver meals to those in the Greater Manchester area who were no longer receiving their free school meals. Rashford initially contacted Fairshare to make a substantial donation, but after discussion with their CEO, he decided to provide his full support. With an initial target of supporting 400,000 children in the region, the initiative quickly raised over £20 million to provide food for children nationwide who, if still at school, would be receiving free school meals. On the 15th of June, Rashford wrote an open letter to the UK government calling on them to end UK child poverty. A day later, the government announced a change in policy regarding the extension of free school meals for children during the summer holidays, with Rashford's campaign credited as a major turning point in governmental talks. It's so, when you think about it, the children were going to school, they were getting fed. School stopped. Did they not think that they should keep feeding the children? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. Rashford described himself as proud of what he had helped accomplish on behalf of 1.3 million children. His actions were described as a political masterclass by The Guardian. Rashford then in September announced that he had set up the Child Food Poverty Task Force in collaboration with several UK food shops, manufacturers, charities and delivery companies. Later that month, he said he was disappointed by the lack of empathy being shown by the Conservative members of Parliament. He continued to campaign via social media and collecting signatures for petitions. And on the 8th of November, it was announced that because of his campaign, the government would be providing funding of almost 400 million over the next 12 months to support the cost of food and household bills to poorer families. 
At the end of that month, former Man United manager Alex Ferguson and venture capitalist Michael Moritz pledged to double any donations through a Christmas fundraising appeal set up by Rashford in conjunction with the Times. Ferguson himself declared himself very proud of Rashford. The campaign raised over 2.7 million by the by the beginning of January. He's received multiple awards and recognition for these achievements, including an honorary doctorate from the University of Manchester. He received a special recognition award at the Pride of Britain Awards in 2020. He was named Campaigner of the Year at the GQ Awards, and he's also a recipient of the special award at the BBC Sports Personality of the Year. He won the inaugural FIFA Foundation Award, the Guardian Footballer of the Year Award and the Footballer Writers Association Tribute Award. He was ranked number one in the Sunday Times giving list, the youngest person ever to be named as such. He's also campaigned to share a million stories as part of World Book Day and has worked with Macmillan publishers to launch a book club to help vulnerable and underprivileged children experience escapism through reading, which is so sad. Uh, This week, he received an MBE, which he dedicated to his mother and vowed to continue his campaigning to help vulnerable children. He said he would give his MBE to his mum, Melanie Maynard, who has previously spoken about her family's struggles. His mum raised Rashford and his four siblings while working full time on minimum minimum wage. And she has received recognition for her own work around food poverty, which saw a food bank warehouse named in her honour. Speaking after the ceremony, the striker said he would be giving his MBE for services to vulnerable children to his mother and would continue to campaign to give children the things I didn't have when I was a kid. If I did have, I would have been much better off and had many more options in my life, he said. For me, it is punishment for them not to be getting things like meals or supplies of books. He said if everyone could come together and make small changes, things could improve for young people. I see a generation that is coming after me as a very special generation, he added. They just need a bit of guidance and pointing in the right direction. And what I'm doing is giving them that. Aww. What a man. What a man. And he still gets booed by his own fans. But anyway. What, what a human being. Like what a totally like giving, generous, empathetic wonderful soul like yeah very good so young Mm. oh fabulous person absolute facts of the week hooray yeah and i think yeah i'm still trying to think who the other one was but even if it was just two or three he's still well deserving of it so oh absolutely well done marcus rashford yeah he's fab okay number four four Thank you, Kelly. Uh, this week, I thought we'd do something nice and light and happy because last week was a lot of, maybe you should look at this about climate change, maybe you should look at that mm-hmm. about climate change and then let's just look at something happy to, to, to save yourself from losing your mind. Uh-huh. Um, so this week, I came across this because, I don't know, did you see the controversy about Big Bird getting uh, his vaccine this week? What? Did you see this? No, no, so for bird flu. <laughs> so this because kids now they want kids in the US to get vaccinated from five oh, upwards. They can get the COVID vaccine now, right? So I presume it's because of that, and that's why the timing is this. But um, so there was a lot of focus on, I suppose, the Jim Henson company, Sesame Street, all that stuff, because obviously a lot of anti-vaxxers were losing their absolute minds about the fact that a fictional yellow bird 
that is six foot tall on a vaccine <laughs> for a current problem, <laughs> current <laughs> pandemic problem. So there's been a lot of stuff on Twitter about Big Bird and Sesame Street and all that. Now, this isn't the first time that Sesame Street have like done anything like that. Back in the 70s, the late 70s, it was also in a program, like in an episode where there was all these kids lining up to get their vaccine and Big Bird lined up and he got his vaccine too and talked about why it was best to get your vaccine and um basically it was a whole like child immunization campaign they did it in 1976 so anyway like i said in the last week in sesame street he got his vaccine so people were losing their shit about it so there was a lot of people posting stuff about the muppets and all this and i came across this joyous account just called muppet history and it's all to do with the muppets Sesame Street, like actual Muppets, anything Jim Henson related. And he posts like pictures. Uh, it's just this guy who's running the account it is just such a joy to follow because obviously uh. back in our day, we were big, you know, Kermit fans and Sesame Street fans, probably more so for me. And we were big Muppets fans anyway. And yeah. um, Miss Piggy and all that jazz. So it's really just pictures. I give you a little bit of history about the picture. And um, some of the guests, sometimes it's clips. Sometimes it's like just stories, like all that vaccine stuff was covered on it. And um, sometimes it's like different actors and stuff that they'll talk about and maybe like any bit of history or like some facts or stuff that like happened during their, um, you know, show, during their appearance on the show. Um, and like I said, it's the Muppets really and Sesame Street, they're kind of it's mostly on it, obviously, because they the big ones. But it's just a joy. It's so lovely. I just have lo- lovely nostalgia going back oh. through it and looking at some of the clips and all that. And um, oh, some you know, some of the like I would say the Muppet Show springs into my head at least once a week for yeah. either people that were on it <laughs> or songs that I heard for the first time on it. You know, like you know, like serious, like major, big yeah. folk songs and things that are huge um, parts of American history and that that we would have heard on. The Muppets or like Broadway stars. And it was amazing when you think about it. Yeah, like It was such so a nice. good introduction to culture in a way, mm, you know. For sure. And like, I think it was, it just made it so applicable to kids. You had all these mm-hmm. stars that were probably like, our parents were fans of, but we yeah. didn't have a clue who they were. And they were still on Sesame Street or on the Muppet Show or whatever, you totally. know, like Dolly Parton and all that. Julie like, Andrews and yeah, yeah, exactly. all these amazing people. Yeah. Um, mm. But it's really just like. Dan DeLuise. <laughs> yeah, like totally random. But yeah. um, it was just so lovely to go through it. And like sometimes they have clips and you'd be cracking yourself, like laughing at some of the Muppet clips on it. And oh, yeah. like your man is pretty good following. Like he's a few. Um, Jesus, he got loads of following over the weekend, I think, because that's when mm. I started following about the Sesame Street stuff. Mm. But um, I think he kind of got a little bit political there. He's over 200,000 followers. I probably got a little bit political there, the poor creator, after he put up the thing about Big Bird uh, and uh, the original 1979 time when he got vaccinated. But um, so he was like, this is supposed to be a nice account. Like the poor little guy to like oh, post no. and say like, this is a family account. You know, this is supposed to be nice things. <laughs> oh, so I think God. he got in a bit of abuse, but it's a pretty active account. Like every day he puts in quite a bit of stuff and he put up a little picture of himself when he put that post up. He's like, this is me. I just love the Muppets. <laughs> oh, so, um, but it's really nice. I really loved it. It's well worth following. Um, a lot of our I swear listeners. There's a career in curating things now, isn't there? Like, oh, I yeah. Like a story the, the other day about a girl who goes to like, um, 
carboot sales and jumble sales and things like that in the in the US and like she collects old items like mm. so like diaries or postcards or things like that that have actual people's details in them and then she hunts down the relatives of the people. Wow. Amazing stuff. Oh Amazing. My God, yeah. yeah. And Nostalgia. her motivation is kind of um just this she's got an Instagram account now I couldn't tell you what it is. But she's got like loads of followers who follow her doing this kind of tracking people down and isn't it amazing? Cool. Like Mad. it's just a like, thing. She's it's just a career she's made for herself, you know. But this is the thing. If you would get paid to do it, then absolutely fabulous. Wouldn't it be the greatest job ever? She's making money that? off like, you know? the social media. Yeah, do you know what I mean? She's getting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and she's just but, doing this interesting thing at the same time, you know. Now her father's a genealogist, so she gets a bit of help there and blah yeah, blah blah, you know. Yeah. But very interesting. But um oh no, I can't wait to follow that now. What's the the handle, Nick? It's at Muppet History, I'm pretty sure. Let me just double check it. But it is, it's just lovely. It's very nice. I really like it. And I always, <laughs> um, I always cry so nice. when I hear the Rainbow Connection as well. Still. Oh, stop. Every it's time. A, I know. Sure, we had that before you were moving over. It came on the radio. We had a cry in the kitchen. Um, oh. It's actually at History Muppet. So Muppet History must have been gone, Nick Ray. Because it's at History Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, history it's lovely. Muppet. It's really nice. And he's a fan page dedicated to continuing the spirit and silliness of Jim Henson. Lovely. Aww, you so see, the, Jim Henson's production company slash all the puppeteers and that, they, you know, it was like the 60s and 70s and it was, they were all part of kind of hippie culture and all that. And mm. they introduced sort of themes and thoughts through the show that weren't maybe completely widespread. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of Bert and Ernie living together there were sort of undertones of they might be gay or whatever and all these things were introduced in a subtle family friendly nice gentle way you know and um, yeah groundbreaking absolutely fantastic stuff so yay yay for Sesame Street yay for the Muppets yes it's lovely okay number five five so this I have to admit I was really really busy the last few days at work and I was like not wanting to hang around the computer in the evening. So I kind of rushed my last little bit today on music news, which is about the ABBA album. I know, I was about to say, it has to be about the ABBA album. (laughs) Yeah, so I've only listened to it a couple of times. So maybe not the, um, it's maybe not going to be my, uh, what's that word? opus or whatever yeah. um, I haven't listened so, to it yet I must admit so anyway it's it's kind of weird listening to this album because you know it's ABBA and it's got all the ABBA hallmarks but the thing is something's different and their voices are older so Aww. it is different but it's really good really good is it? and Aww. you don't really notice the older voice thing much on it to be honest but the opening track I Still Have Faith In You is a great opener it sets the tone for the album basically saying we still have it in us um, and I guess the ability to deliver what they are worldwide batshit famous for which is big pop songs yeah. um, the second track When You Danced With Me has that kind of folky sound that they have mm-hmm. on some of their uh, music um, like there's pipes in the background as well you know and it's upbeat and jolly and it's written like a letter I always find a lot of their songs feel like someone's yeah, reading out a, a letter yeah it's a message kind of thing yeah, yeah I agree um, yeah or, or t- literally telling a story you know like Super um, Trooper is very much a story like yeah know, yeah so yeah. and um, 
Yeah, so anyway, it's got that kind of Loch Lomond kind of rock bounce to it as well. Folky rock kind of thing. Um, nice. But it's it's actually about a village fair in Kilkenny in Ireland, which what? is very strange. Yeah. That's so random. Totally random. But anyway, the third song is called Little Things. And this now is not my cup of tea at all. It's really sickly sweet. Children's choir, Christmas Ugh. song. They're singing about their grandmother. Like, ooh, no. Nah, just nah. <laughs> not for me. Um, no. But some people probably love it, you know. Um, the next track is that gorgeous, like, kind of almost talking at the start of the song. Um, and there's a little bit of auto-tune, which is new to me on Abba songs, but we'll forgive them. Um, but it's a proper banger. It's to- like worthy of Mamma Mia. It's called Don't Shut Me Down and it'll have you up and dancing. Big time. Um So yeah. Oh yes, the next song is called "Just an Ocean" and it's real Eurovisiony kind of thing. Like it'll just have you smiling and bopping around the place. Uh, the next one is called "I Can Be That Woman" and this is the one you want to open the battle of gin to, like um, oh. major, depre- <laughs> major like lament, last opportunity oh, and, in a bad way. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like oh, all the you know like how she might have missed out and all this, but um, very age appropriate, you know. But um, it's okay. still nice. Bumblebee, again, is like a child song. It makes you think of the pandemic a little bit because she's talking about this bumblebee in her garden and, I don't know, maybe sort of concentrating on some of the smaller things in life like nature and the restorative and comforting power in that. And then the last track on the album is called Ode to Freedom. And again, kind of different again, very orchestral, um, but also, you know, like it might end up on a soundtrack or something, but um, a lovely song as well. So anyway, Pitchfork says Voyage is a mixture of songs, old and mostly new, that have all the glam, boogie, Scandi disco bounce and epic pop construction of the band's revered catalogue with some tentative nods to its passing of time. They may have kept the music on Voyage absolutely trend blind to modern pop production, but this is a good thing, in my opinion. Um, get it, enjoy it, and your children will love it too. So there you go. I'm just giving a listen straight away after this. I'm going to have a listen when I cook yeah. dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's kind of like a warm hug. You know, <laughs> oh, I, see, I like that, like a stranger that's just returned. I mean, not a stranger, like kind of a stranger, but your friend also, like, that will... like a returned lover from the sixties. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, a little bit old for me. <laughs> so there you go. So it concludes five things this week. Yeah. So uh, another quite weekend ahead, and then not a single quite weekend until January. So it's all go. I must tell you about one exciting thing that happened in my life this week that I discovered mm-hmm. in the shop yesterday. There are Ferrero Rocher chocolate bars now. What? So Why it's like eating, a, it's like eating a Ferrero Rocher, but in like one piece of chocolate. Oh my God. And it is unreal. So Ugh. I got it in Centra, our local Centra, so I don't know where in the UK you get it, but oh my God. It's unreal. I so I have to tell torn, everybody about this. <laughs> I always feel torn about things like that because I'm like super excited because it's going to be amazing, but also super disappointed because I'm going to want yes, to eat it. Yes, I know. Well, Do you know what I mean? Th- even trying it yesterday, I was like, oh, this isn't going to taste like Ferrero Rocher. It does. I actually couldn't mm. get over it. Now, it is absolutely delicious and like nutty as well. Like the mm-hmm. same kind of, oh God. Crunchy. So anyway, if we've any Ferrero Rocher fans, I would highly recommend it. Keep an eye open. I got it in the random section of our shop. You know, it's kind of like where all the boxed chocolates is. Okay. Was that. And I was like, whoa, what's this? 
Two euro mm. now, mind. It was expensive, but uh, it was delicious. Jesus, so. two that's, euro. That's my news for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm also after Centre Park this weekend. Woo-hoo! My first time Aww. ever going to anywhere like that. So, Oh, you'll have a great excited. time. You'll have a great time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'll be fab. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be nice. I'd, I'd love that now. Uh, no, we are staying super quiet and super well behaved and must get on with a bit of Christmas shopping in a sustainable way. <laughs> and um, that's about it. So we'll be back again next week anyway, sure. Uh, any, same- go- any good discounts, shared? <laughs> Oh yeah, lads. Let us know about the discounts. We stick them up on the old social media as well. Um, is that coming up? Is that next week? Black Friday, Friday and all that. Two weeks, mm. I think, isn't it? Yeah, I'm I like read... getting ready. I'm putting stuff into my baskets. I've got all these yeah. websites that I use so that when it comes, straight into the basket. No messing around. Get your stuff. The one I read a thing about like tips for Black Friday shopping, and it said. It's only a bargain if you want the thing before Black yeah, Friday. Exactly. So it's That's like make a list of the things you want and yeah. stick to it and then it is a bargain. Christmas shopping. It's very good for Christmas shopping. Yeah. If you have a list of the stuff you want for Christmas, yeah. gifts, stuff like that, or like stuff that's a luxury. There's a couple of bits I want for the wedding that I might get because it's yeah. like stuff that would be more expensive that will probably be yeah. reduced on Black nice. Friday. So stuff mm. like that. Anyway, we'll probably talk about it the week of when we're talking mm. about it. Yeah, let's have a think about it. Trying to be sustainable. Okay. Right. Go Come forth and multiply. Bye, talk everybody. to you soon. Bye. Bye.